evening. Today I have Andrew with me. Hi Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Andrew James Gregg. Uh, I'm a fairly new author, although you wouldn't think so looking at me. A um, couple of uh, books under the belt, Whirly Gig, which uh, is a Crime Writers Association, New Blood Dagger uh, longlist, and a McIlvany Prize shortlist, and The Devil's Cut, which has uh, literally just come out a few months ago, uh, and is also being submitted for both those prizes, uh, I believe. Um, got some work in progress at the moment, which um, is a, a reworking of Kidnapped by Robert Louis Stevenson. Uh, and I have another book coming out in probably October called A Song of Winter, which is an environmental thriller. Uh, so yeah, fairly busy. That's, that's me. Did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? <laughs> I'm sorry? Did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Have I always known I wanted to be a writer? Um, no, not really. Um, I started, the first time I started writing, I was about 17, I think. And um, uh, it was a science fiction novel. <laughs> and it, it, it's probably so bad that I'm glad I ripped it up and, and threw it away. Um, and I never actually gave it a thought uh, about writing ever again until, uh, when was it? 2018, I believe. Uh, in that strange hiatus between Christmas and uh, New Year, when there's not much to do. And I sat down at a computer uh, and started writing out of absolutely nowhere without a single thought in my head. Uh, and I wrote this fairy tart noir, which is a, a genre all of itself. And uh, I sent it off to a few agents and publishers and all that sort of stuff. And absolutely no one was interested in it, uh, which I can fully appreciate. So I self-published uh, on Amazon and it won a Silver Readers Award um, and actually sold quite well, to be honest. Uh, but I took it off because I was advised uh, if I wanted to get an agent or uh, a publisher that uh, uh, having self-published books out there puts a spoke in the works. So um, that was that. Uh, and then I was at the Collinsey Book Festival, which is a, Collinsey's a little island off the west coast of, of Scotland. Uh, it takes about an hour in a ferry boat to get there. Uh, and it's a very small island. I guess there's, I don't know, 200 people live on it or something. But they have this rather wonderful little book festival there, which, which I enjoy going to. And there was uh, an agent there uh, on one of the talks. And she was asked, you know, what is it people are looking for? I, you know, I'm writing books, but, but no one wants to buy anything that I write. Uh, and she said, uh, well, Scottish tartan noir, tartan noir, that's the thing. You write a crime book set in Scotland and loads of people want it. So uh, I sat at the back of the room there and I thought, Tartan Noir. Now, I've never written a crime book in my life. Um, I've only read about uh, probably two or three crime books in my life. So I I'm not really a, an expert in the, uh, in the genre. But I, I went home and uh, I started writing over the space of, I don't know, six months, I guess, uh, my first crime book, which was Whirligig. And, uh, you know, it did extremely well, amazingly. So, um, yeah, worth listening to agents when they, when they speak, I think. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't recognise your name, but as soon as I saw your book cover, I'm like, oh, it's that guy, because it was everywhere <laughs> for a little while. It was, yeah, seeing, yeah. Which, you know, for me, is usually a good sign that a book's good when everybody's talking about it and it's all over the Facebook group, so... Yeah, I think it. I think it did so well, or relatively well. I mean, it, you know, it's small beer compared to the Richard Osmonds. <laughs> um, I, I think it probably did well enough to keep me in cappuccinos for a year, you know, uh, rather than buy a yacht. But uh, I, I think it. I think it probably did well because uh, I came at it from a fairly strange angle, for, from very left of field, because I haven't got a, this huge legacy of um, reading crime books and all the rest of it. So, in a way. I think I approached it, um, or, or my approach was quite fresh, uh, and maybe a little bit literary, if I dare say that, compared to how they're mostly written. So, um, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit unusual, and uh, I think that's why, why it did so well. I suspect, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I read loads of crime, and 
if something's different, then usually we jump on it because it's nice to read something a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. If you were to take out one of your characters for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? <laughs> <laughs> who would I take out? Um, uh, yeah, well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Out of the out of the sort of um, the Kostorfin universe, which is the Whirly Gig and the Devil's Cut, uh, I'd probably take out Frankie, uh, who's uh, Di Kostorfin's sidekick. She's the um, she's uh, he's the Di. She's just the the, the detective, and. Um, She's she's quite interesting. She, you know, she's had a, her marital problems. Um, she wasn't able to have kids, uh, so her husband dropped her and left her on her own to to kind of fend for herself and all the rest of it. Um, but you know, she's kind of she's kind of optimistic, and uh, in a lot of ways, she 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 provides a lot of the um, the legwork for the the sort of crime solving. So um, yeah, she's. I mean, I find her an interesting character. I mean, Di Kostorfin himself, he's, he's a sweetie. Um, you know, he's, he lost his wife uh, from cancer uh, kind of some indeterminate time before the, the series starts. Uh, and he he's always kind of talking to her, um, not really willing to accept that she has actually left for good, um, which I quite like. But in a way, he's... A, He's a little bit boring, I think, just a little bit boring uh, to go out for a, a drink with or whatever, um, although a perfectly pleasant sort of guy. I mean, the thing about detectives and crime books, uh, they're, they're usually fatally flawed, aren't they? There's usually, they either have a drink problem or a, a woman problem or, I don't know, a drug problem or, I don't know, thinking about um, uh, Robert Galbraith uh, and her... Her DI, her PI, rather, a private investigator. He's got a wooden leg, you know. So, you know, I, I didn't want to reproduce any of these things. I just wanted someone who's, who's fairly normal. He's just a wee bit sad, um, my guy. And, you know, I, I kind of like that because, in some ways, that's a bit more, maybe a bit more realistic. I mean, not every detective out there, I think, suffers from uh, inner demons. Or I, I hope not, anyway. No, it'd be a bit worrying if our whole uh, law enforcement <laughs> team were all suffering. <laughs> well, maybe in the Metropolitan Police, but uh, anywhere else, I think they're probably fairly normal. Yeah, I have to think Apologies that, to yes. any Metropolitan Police out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what's the most interesting thing you found while researching your books? <laughs> ah, okay. Um, I think uh, when I was researching for, um, I mean, both these books, uh, you, you have to understand, were written during the, the whole COVID epidemic. In fact, neither of them, um, the launches, uh, they were all done on Zoom because uh, every time it came to, to launch, uh, it was either the beginning of the whole pandemic uh, and no one was allowed anywhere, or by the time The Devil's Cut came out, um, everything was kind of opening up and then it all closed down again because uh, the numbers are going up so I've not actually had a live launch yet which is a bit disappointing so all my research pretty much has been done uh, over over Google um, and there's uh, for the Devil's Cut I was researching um, the Glenfinnan uh, monument and uh, the viaduct there the, the famous viaduct that the Harry Potter train goes over on the way to Hogwarts and um, buried inside or oh, there's a rumour that there's uh, an actual horse or the skeleton thereof, because that's all that they left, and cart buried inside one of the giant stone pillars because uh, it fell down when, they, uh, when the Victorians were constructing uh, the viaduct. Um, and one of the characters in that book uh, is actually explaining that to uh, D.I. Kostorfin, who kind of ignores it because he knows that it's not that viaduct. It's the next one along. Uh, another vi viaduct entirely that actually has the dead horse uh, or the skeleton thereof and cart in it. So yeah, weird things like that I, I come across, and uh, you know I find I find these things really interesting and pop them in the book. Um, so yeah, all sorts of things to find. I love that. <laughs> um, so do you hide lots of um, secret jokes or Easter eggs in your books? <laughs> Easter eggs, yeah. 
Um, there's, prob there's probably a few. Uh, I think they're fairly obvious, though. Um, I, I don't hide things very well. Um, in fact, I was, I was chatting to a writer that, uh, just the other day who didn't even know what the Easter egg thing was. People say, what's all this about Easter eggs? Uh, so it had to be gently broken uh, to her what Easter eggs were. Um, the, uh, I'm writing a, a whole new crime book at the moment uh, outside the Gestorfin universe, uh, and I'm actually going into the realms of a private investigator. Uh, this is this is kind of what I'm I'm working on at the moment as I'm doing the final edits to my my kidnap rework. Um, and he's got a he's got a great Gallic name, uh, which is uh, Tierschach. Um, no, sorry, uh, Sherlock, Sherlock, Sherlock. That's right. Uh, in the Gallic, uh, and of course that is so close to Sherlock uh, as to be ridiculous. Uh, and in fact, I've got people taking the mick out of him because you know he's a private investigator, and his name is Sherlock. Um, so that's a sort of an Easter egg. But as I say, it's a very obvious one, and everyone hopefully will spot it. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, you'd be surprised actually. Um, <laughs> I read a book recently, and um, there were links to names of detectives I think and I think I was the yeah. first person that had spotted them so um yeah people just oblivious <laughs> yeah and sometimes people spot <laughs> easter eggs where they aren't there um one of the characters in the Gustafian universe is uh, called Rankin and everyone say oh that's Ian Rankin isn't it <laughs> no no hadn't even occurred to me to be honest so yeah you know you can you can put the odd one in for fun and, and it's good if people spot it and uh, and get the get the joke maybe yeah, I love stuff like that. There's um, mm. a book just been released by Hobbit Books and Brian Price, and he's put about 30 or 30. Oh, really? So yeah. reading it was long because I had to keep stopping and Googling, wondering if it was what I thought <laughs> it was. So it yeah. took ages, but I loved it. It was great fun trying to find them all. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. It was uh, very time consuming, though, but it was. So, <laughs> I as long as it doesn't get. As long as it doesn't get in the way of the story, that's the thing. I mean, if if you keep having to stop and uh, go off and search, that would would get in the way a wee bit, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, that'd get really irritating. <laughs> <laughs> um, you must have killed some of your characters in horrendous ways, but if you were to be a fictional killer in a book, how would you kill your victims? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm quite inventive uh, in, in my killings. So I'll give you, I'll give you that. Um, in my book that uh, is coming out this October, which is, uh, it's not a detective, it's not a crime book. Uh, crimes are committed, but it's not a crime book. As I say, it's uh, more of an ecological disaster thriller type thing. Uh, one of my, or probably my lead character in that, uh, is a very mumsy sort of mum with uh, a couple of wee kids. Uh, and she turns out to be uh, incredibly good with a crossbow because uh, she comes from a, a prepper background. Uh, you know, these people who uh, are waiting for the end of the world to come in one way or another. And they, uh, they bury tins of baked beans in the ground or, or whatever it is they do. Um, so she's been, you know, using a crossbow since she's been knee high, knee high to a grasshopper or, or whatever. So she's very, very good at it. Uh, I, <laughs> I kind of like that weird contrast between... Uh, you know, a sort of mumsy figure, and, and yet she's very lethal when it comes to uh, taking people out with a crossbow. So, yeah, crossbows are a possibility. Uh, I think it's ecologically sound. Um, you know, it doesn't harm the environment particularly. Um, you know, you generate your own energy by pulling the thing back and uh, reusable bolts. Yeah, it's probably not that inventive, but um, the alternatives are, you know, the poisons or... Um, Sort of timing mechanisms or all of which turned up in Whirligig. Um, no, I've, I've, I've got a sort of concept for, for maybe the next one in the Castorfin universe, which would be a particularly horrendous way to die, but um, I can't really share that one. You're the first person I think that's ever been worried about ecologically getting someone. <laughs> oh, that's, that's my green credentials. <laughs> um, okay so if you were fictionally murdered who would you want to solve your case <laughs> oh i got a soft spot for sherlock holmes to be honest uh, i i quite i quite like him um and what 
spots and you know <laughs> i think they they're a great double act and it's difficult to imagine they've ever been um ever been beaten really uh he's just so he's so good on the deduction you know he'll say uh we're looking for a I don't know. We're looking for an Estonian gentleman, six foot two, with a beard and a monocle, and he's uh, he's got a gammy leg, and his name's Albert or something or other. And you think, how the hell are you meant to do? You meant to work all that lot out? And uh, you know, you can. He knows he's got a gammy leg because the footprints one's deeper than the other. He knows he's Estonian because there were fragments of an Estonian uh, tree leaf left on the on the ground. You know, he does all this sort of stuff, which is is all totally bonkers. But uh, I, I kind of quite like that. So it's almost a godlike ability to enter a room and say, "I know who did that." Uh, could do with him in the uh, Ten Downing Street at the moment. I think too, because there's quite a few crimes there that could uh, do with someone solving. Be fair, anyone in Downing Street would be fair. <laughs> Just lock them all up, eh? <laughs> Too right. Do the country a favour. <laughs> I think so. Anyway, I've been drinking my wine. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> Good stuff. I'm up early for work, so I can't have my gin that's sitting in the oh, fridge. That's a good. Tomorrow night. <laughs> um, what's been one of the most fun scenes or chapters that you've written, and what's been one of the most difficult? <laughs> <sighs> I think probably um, the most fun would have been with uh, with Whirly Gig because, um, and again, I, I don't want to give anything away, but um, uh, it's fairly soon apparent that a lot of the murders um, occur due to rather intricate uh, clockwork mechanisms. And um, in some way, it's a bit sort of... Um, uh, well, I find it slightly Monty Pythonish and, and slapdash some of the murders I've got that, that only one person has ever kind of picked up on that. Uh, everyone else is saying how gruesome. So, yeah, I guess it just depends how you read it. So, and without any pressure on me whatsoever, because I didn't even think anyone would read the bloody book, um, I could just sit there and enjoy more and more preposterous ways of, um, of bumping rather undesirable characters off. I mean... It, you know, everyone in that book <laughs> who died deserved to die. Um, I can tell you that for free. But um, yeah, that 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 was that was good fun because I, I, you know, there's there's no one sort of holding a rein on you. There's there's no one holding you back or saying, oh, you can't do that because that's out of character. Because all these characters are brand spanking you, and you can do whatever you like. If they want to unicycle to work, they can do that. You know, it's not um, you've got total freedom. But then um, the book does rather well and you have this weight of expectation on your shoulders uh, and people want the same again, please. Well, you know, no, you can't do that. Well, and I couldn't do another um, bunch of killings done in the most bizarre, weird way. Uh, it just wouldn't ring true in any shape or form. So um, you have to do something totally different. So that, that was a bit more that was a bit more difficult because... Um, you know, you've got these pressures, you've got the expectation, you've got uh, you've got these characters who have to have to perform true to type because you've already described how they are and what they how they feel and how they think and and how they behave and all the rest of it. So, you know, suddenly all these constraints are there. So I don't know, I'd compare it to um, being able to write, I don't know, 20, 30 random words down a sheet of paper without any issues at all. Or suddenly you're in a crossword. And they've all got to link together and they've all got to meet the clues. Uh, so it's a lot more difficult. That, that's, that, that'd be my analogy anyway. So, yeah, that, that was hard work. But every book I do, um, when I get to the middle bit, it's a bloody slog. Um, the beginning is great fun because, you know, it's something. It's like a relationship, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you said carefully because my wife ever watches this. But, you know, at the start, all the dopamine's flooding the brain and, you know, oh, this is fantastic. This is great. Um, and then, you know, you're into the middle of it. Oh, God almighty. Uh, you know, day after day, same thing. Um, which, you know, you're struggling your way through the, the plot and all the excitement's kind of gone away. And at the end of your, end of your, your, your day, you're thinking, oh, somehow I have to tie all this lot up together and, and make it all work again. And then, you know, at the end, it's all way again because 
it's um, one, you're getting to the end. <laughs> Two, you're beginning, if you're like me and a total pantser, um, you're starting to see what, what was going on all along and how to pull it all together and who actually did it and, and all the rest of it. And then, uh, you know, you put the pink bow on top and do it up in a little knot and then you think, great, that one's done. Um, and who's been the, or which character's given you most trouble? Mm. <laughs> um, and, it's usually the, 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 the person who's, who's the most guilty, the, the murderer, uh, probably, because mm. bumping someone off isn't, uh, it's not a minor thing. Um, it's not the sort of thing you can, go on television and say, I'm sorry, I, uh, I didn't know I was bumping him off at the time and, uh, you know, uh, deepest apologies. Uh, you can't do that uh, and get away with it, unlike some people who probably could. Um, so, yeah, I find that a bit difficult because I'm not by nature a sort of violent and vindictive sort of guy. Um, so, yeah, putting myself in that mindset or, or trying to think of a rationale why someone would feel so badly hurt or angry or whatever that they have to murder someone. I find that a bit of a struggle. So yeah, in every, in every case, it would be the perpetrator of the crime is the most difficult for me. Have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? <laughs> yeah, made a few. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of us um, called the Caledonia Crime Collective. You might have come across them um so yeah uh we meet up online an awful lot and uh once or twice in the, in the flesh even uh so that's that's great and it, it's good to have um they're, they're all fairly newish writers um they're, they're all doing quite well um and it's a it's a great it's a great supportive mechanism i think because um you know you can do this sort of zoomy stuff and put it out there for everyone to see but you can also have individual private little chats in our little WhatsApp group. Uh, and maybe you can get out some of the angst of, of being a writer because it, you know, it's quite a hard job. Um, I think a lot of people fondly imagine, oh, you just kind of sit down, you write a few thousand words and then you pop out a book and you know, a million pounds comes in the next week sort of thing. Well, if only. Um, it's, um, it's, it's a lot of work putting putting those words down on a page, making them line up, making them make sense, uh, making them fluent, uh, getting the pacing right. Uh, you know, I wish I'd been on a writing course because I don't know anything about this. I just, I just do it uh, by some weird sort of osmosis. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's lots of tricks, I think, that, that I ought to know about and maybe I do them by accident. But uh, it's nice to be able to talk to other authors and... Uh, and all the rest of it. And yeah, I think, you know, the more, as I say, the COVID thing has kind of stopped me going out and meeting people an awful lot, um, especially as, a, as a, you know, my in-laws I, I'm kind of helping care for, and they're, they're both really uh, very, very old and uh, not too well. So I, I have to be quite careful um, in going out, meeting and greeting. Uh, so, you know, when hopefully when things open up a wee bit more uh, and I'm invited out to things, uh, I'll be able to meet some more. Uh, so yeah, uh, slow process, but yeah, I'm meeting people and I find them nearly all uh, very supportive uh, and friendly. On occasion, there isn't one uh, uh, where they're not brother, but uh, for the most part, they're lovely guys and girls. Yeah, I find um, actually the Scottish crime community is, quite, is probably closer than most. Scottish mm. authors are, are something else. I don't know why, but they're all awesome. I love Scottish crime writers. Well, we're like <laughs> in a little village, aren't we? Really, you know, it's uh, Scotland. You know, smaller than the population of London. I think it's uh, you know, there's not there's not a huge number of people up here. Although we do have huge distances to travel, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a small it's a small world up here. So yeah, quite easy to be a big, a big fish. Mm -hmm. And do you get a lot of feedback from your readers? Feedback from my readers, did you say? Yeah, um, not 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 a massive amount to be honest. Um, obviously, you get the reviews, 
um, but you know you have to take them with a with a pinch of salt because um, they're either over the top um, in terms of saying you know you're the best thing since Shakespeare. Not that anyone's actually had that quote yet, but I'm, I'm waiting for it. Um, all the way through to um, you know utter drivel and uh, you know how does this person ever think picking up a pen is uh, is a good idea? Sort of level of the spectrum. Uh, although I find most of the sort of one star reviews, uh, no one writes anything at all. So uh, I tell myself it's probably the book arrived damaged or something like that. Or, uh, or, or the delivery driver knocked over a pot plant in the garden or something. Um, but in terms of actual feedback for the book itself, um, I rely mostly on, uh, on my wife, who is brutally honest and... Um, I, that's absolutely brilliant. That's that's exactly what you want. Um, you don't want to give it to someone who thinks this is a pile of manure, uh, but says, "Oh, I really liked it. A really good book, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Because you know, everyone, nearly everyone, does that, and that's no use to you at all. To to, uh, to improve as a writer, to to have an idea of what you're doing is, is right or whatever, you need someone who's brutal. And um, because I don't actually have an agent or anything like that, I don't have that, um, that person a step removed from me who can look at whatever I produce uh, with a, total, a totally reptilian eye <laughs> and say, this is good, but all that is absolute shite. You have to get rid of it and do it again. You know, which, I think that's very, very helpful. Although, you know, it's such a subjective art writing, isn't it? Well, it's like any any art, really, music or painting or whatever. You know, some people love chocolate box art and some people absolutely detest it. Some people love cosy crime. Some people detest it. So, uh, you know, it's a bit of a minefield, really, isn't it? You have to... But the more, the more and more reviews you get, I think you start getting to the, the truth of it because uh, it becomes statistically... Uh, uh, sensible then when you've got enough people looking at it yeah um if you're able to spend a day with any author dead or alive who would you like to spend a day with <laughs> oh that would be ian banks because i do like ian banks um i absolutely loved his work uh and it's a shame he died so early it really is uh i was keener on his um science fiction stuff to be honest uh his culture novels uh, which he wrote as Ian M. Banks. Um, but, the, you know, he, he kicked off his career with uh, uh, The Wasp Factory, of course, which was, um, you know, uh, that, that grabbed everyone's attention. <laughs> and, uh, quite rightly so. It was just, he seemed an effortless writer. I'm sure it wasn't effortless. I'm sure he, same as me, he sat there and thought, oh, God, I've got to write another thousand pages today and how am I going to do it? And I, I don't know what's going on and uh, I really couldn't care less, you know, and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's he'd be a great writer to, uh, and I, as far as I can tell from you know the distance, he was um, he was a great guy as well. So you could sit there and chat away with him quite happily. And have you ever had any fanboy moments at any festivals or anything when you've met authors? <clears throat> any what moments? Fanboy moments. <laughs> fanboy moments. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no. I, I tend to get inverse fanboy moments. Um, I had a review uh, on Amazon, uh, someone saying, uh, I thought this was by the wonderfully talented Andrew Gregg uh, until I realised it wasn't. Uh, so, you know, it's one of the problems I have is, is that there is an Andrew Gregg out there. Although I've got sneaking suspicion his real name's Gordon Gregg. Um, but anyway, he's, uh, he's Andrew Gregg. And he, he's, he's a great writer and I met him. Uh, I've had a book signed uh, by him for me, uh, which is quite amusing because what name? And it was uh, Andrew Gregg. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I like his. I like his. He's a very poetic writer, which I, which I admire. Um, but in terms of anyone coming up and uh, saying, "Ooh, you know, fantastic!" It's Andrew James Gregg. No, no. Although um, today on Twitter, uh, someone has actually asked to buy the book that I've only just signed a deal for today. Uh, so it hasn't even gone for edits or anything yet. So um, that's the first. Maybe it'll come with my 
of my increasing sales. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I have Ian Rankin and Lee Child both follow me on Twitter, and every time they like one of my tweets or something, I'm like, because I'm a child, and it's like really cool. Yeah. No, it is. It's, it is good. I mean, I, I'm the same if I get anyone who's the least bit famous uh, liking one of my tweets. I feel exactly the same. You know, it's kind of nice to think, oh, they know I exist, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I wonder because, you know, generally I have bright pink hair. So I figure that people can't really forget me that easily, but it's still nice to, <laughs> to be known. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't like the level of fame where you can't walk into a supermarket without getting mobbed, but uh, I think I'm fairly safe from that. Yeah, I think authors generally, I think even Ian Rankin's pretty safe for that, isn't he? Probably J.K. Rowling can't, but... Yeah, well, I saw Ian Rankin in a, in a, in a bookshop, actually, uh, out at, um, what was it, Aberfeldy, the watermiller at Aberfeldy. He was uh, sitting in the cafe there having a, a cup of coffee and stuff, and I was at the table next to him and uh, see Ian Rankin. But I left him be because I think that's what you do with authors. You just let them be. You know, they've got, they got thoughts to think and um, <laughs> books to write. And... Yeah. Yeah, I've only ever seen him at book festivals, so I figure he's fair game then because that's what he's there for. Well, that's, that's what he's there for, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah this, is, this is kind of one of the things that no one ever explains to you, that you have to go out there and, and put yourself out in the public world, a bit public domain. Like you know, with you or um, book festivals or whatever, that's that's never explained to you. But it's you know, it's an important part of the job because you know it's all very well writing a book, uh, and it might even be a, a good book. It might you know even be a great book. Uh, but unless it people know you're out there and the book's out there, um, especially as a newish author, it, why bother? Because you, you need you need people to say, oh well, that sounds moderately interesting. I'll give it a try. It's fine when you reach the Ian Rankin stage because, um, you know, they just automatically get bought as they come out. But uh, for yeah. us mere mortals, it's, it's more of a struggle. <laughs> yeah, but once you get that, I mean, there's, I've, there's a few indie authors where I don't, I mean, I blog and get arcs and stuff anyway. But if I wasn't, mm. then I'd still get their book straight away because, mm. you know, I've got, got to know them and stuff. So it's nice as readers to have access to authors as well. I yeah, think. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to stalk you at bloody Scotland until you say hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what colour is your hair going to be? It'll probably still be pink. Oh, OK. All right. It's been pink so if for you ch- if, you change on a re- if you change on a regular basis, I, you know, it'd be like the original traffic light lady. I don't know what I'm looking for. So <laughs> I'll, I'll well, keep an eye out for you. It's supposed to be brown, I think, but it's been such a while since it's been that colour. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it's brown oh, right. underneath, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is why I'm keeping it pink, because the okay. great show well, I'm, a, I'm only on the one the one panel um, at the toll booth in Sterling with uh, Lisa Gray and uh, Emma Christie. Uh, I don't know if that's been publicised yet, and I probably shouldn't have told you that, but that's, <laughs> that's the only panel I know about. And uh, what was it called? Um, uh, it was kind of, I, I don't know, something like left of field authors or something or other, something like that. So, yeah, maybe maybe because none of us probably go sort of straight down the middle in terms of crime writing, because uh, Emma, I know, is more sort of psychological sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, know. if you're at that one, I shall see you. Yes, I, I will definitely be there. I told you I'm stalking you. Brilliant. <laughs> Until I find you. <laughs> I'll all probably right. about Sterling if I have to, although not up too many hills. <laughs> OK, well, I know how to get away from you then. <laughs> I'll just say, yeah, fine, I'll, I'll catch you later. It's fine. <laughs> um, I think my hotel's halfway up the hill to the Scot- uh, Sterling Castle this time. Oh, oh yeah, is there. that the, um, oh, what's that one? Ah, is it a Caledonian or something? I don't know. Yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, used to be a high school. I oh, really? Yeah, yeah evidently. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I only walked past it going downhill after I'd been to the old jail, which was pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, the old jail's good, yeah. Yeah, looking yeah. down the, the clear floor, though, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we seem to have digressed. <laughs> we have. Yeah. Um, what's been your favourite moment so far? 
Um, well, that's got to be the uh, being shortlisted for the McIlvany Prize, uh, without a doubt, because, uh, you know, hand on heart, that came as an absolute shock. Um, when I'd heard I'd been longlisted for the CWA New Blood Dagger and longlisted for the McIlvany, I kind of thought, yeah, OK, why not? Yep, seems reasonable. Uh, and I hadn't really thought it through uh, that actually, you know, <laughs> it's... There's thousands of books going into these things because I'm, I'm such a novice at all this lot that I kind of thought, yeah, but they probably only get 10 books, you know, in which case, in with a chance. Um, so I hadn't actually appreciated how much filtering had gone through to get me to that point. Uh, so I kind of ignored that. And then um, I, I don't know when I got the, the shortlisty thing that was, uh, it, it might have been June, July, something like that, I think. Um, I had Bob McDevitt, who, uh, who runs Bloody Scotland now, uh, phoned me up and said you've been shortlisted and you're not allowed to tell anyone and keep it under your hat and uh and i said oh how, how many people have been shortlisted is four or something uh and i thought bloody hell that's that's quite serious you know that's uh that's uh that, that's that's quite something uh, and then i found out that um you know other people in the list who hadn't been shortlisted like val mcdermott and stuff i thought good god <laughs> that didn't seem real to me because you know here I am, first crime book. Um, never written anything more exciting than a shopping list for uh, 40 years or something or other, and uh, I'm, I'm in the shortlist for the McIlvany. So, yeah, that, that, that was a huge shock. Uh, I mean, a great shock, but, but a huge shock. And that was probably, yeah, that was a highlight because that's, um, that's kind of the first time I thought, well, hey, uh, I'm, I'm writing stuff that people actually like. Uh, and... And that came as a surprise, to be honest, because um, I am a modest soul under this bravara, and uh, I never really thought that uh, you know what I was doing was particularly good in any shape or form. But uh, I'm told otherwise. So now I'm having French windows put in throughout the house so that I, my head will uh, will be able to get in and out of all the doorways without <laughs> any trouble. <laughs> Yeah, you look all this stuff from imposter syndrome. There's no chance of that. <laughs> I consider myself reader and ego booster pretty much on a oh, okay. daily basis. I take uh, in terms for certain authors to say, you're fine, you're awesome, you've got this, because otherwise yeah. you all have crushing little self-doubt. Yeah, but I think I think most most authors suffer from imposter syndrome you know I, I think that's true um i mean it's not helped by the nature of the job you're kind of sitting there on your own with nothing but a laptop in front of you and uh, and you're typing away in your own little universe you know it's uh, <laughs> it's a very you know it's very the loneliness of the long distance crime writer really isn't it it's, it's a strange strange game to be in well at the last bloody scotland even stephen king said that every time he sends off a new book that he's worried that the, his agent's going to come back and say, what the hell is this? This is rubbish. Yeah. And he's written, what, 60-odd, yeah. 40-odd yeah, of which yeah. have been turned into TV and film? And if Stephen oh, King thinks that, then what chance has anyone got, really? <laughs> well, I think everyone, everyone's in the same boat, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, one of the problems is you don't... With a book, it's it's kind of more difficult, I think, in a lot of ways. If you're doing a painting or, or, or a song or whatever, it... it it's fairly immediate and it's kind of in front of you and you can see the whole thing or hear the whole thing in a one sort of thing. With a book, it's, you have to invest so much time and effort to actually absorb what someone's produced. And it's not quite so obvious if you've done something that's worthwhile or not. So, yeah, I think if I was a painter or something, well, I wouldn't be a very good painter, mind you, but to, if I was a painter, at least at least at the end of the day, you look at it and you think, oh yeah, well that's that's a that's a tree or whatever it is you're painting. I, I can see that. Uh, if you write a crime book, you think, is that a load of shite or is it actually quite good? And and it is. It's it, the most frightening thing about writing is is not giving it to the agent, which I don't have, or the publisher, which if I'm very lucky, I get one. It, it's actually when it gets printed and goes out. And the reviews start coming in because that's, you know, that's that's horrendous because uh, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, luckily, all your mates jump in and give you five stars and all the rest of it and say, wonderful. But once they've drifted away 
uh, you're left with the real stuff, and and that's the that's the worrying stuff because you know sometimes for you know what whatever you produce isn't going to be liked by everyone. Uh, of course, it's not, uh, and some reviews can be quite cutting. So yeah, you have to you have to develop a thick skin fairly quickly, I think, as as a writer. But you know, what's the alternative? You've never put it out there, and um, you're just writing for your own amusement. No, but if you're going to write, put it out there, and um, you know. People are going to like it or they're not. Hopefully they'll like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you're not writing, what do you like to do with your time? <laughs> yeah, when I'm not writing, well, I'm kind of retired now. Um, I've had a, a bit of a varied past. Um, uh, haven't been in prison, uh, but I have. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've done all sorts of uh, weird things, a lot of sort of live sound engineering uh, and a lot of sort of um, military type stuff. Um, which sounds more exciting than it probably was, although I have been shot at a few times, uh, which isn't much fun. So now I tend to, if I'm not doing little bits of work, um, which is kind of supplying speakers for conferences or weddings, I kind of do that a little bit. If I'm not doing that, then I enjoy walking. I like, like going out in the countryside and walking the hills and uh, the forests and stuff around me, of which there are many. Uh, and I think that probably comes out of my writing a fair bit. It's um, nature often rears its ugly head in, in my book somewhere or other. And um, who is your first celebrity crush? Celebrity crush? <laughs> Did you say? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't think I've had a celebrity crush since I was about uh 14 or something and I, I was very very taken with lieutenant o'hara in star trek um but that might have been because she had a very short skirt i'm not sure uh it's, it's difficult to put myself back into a 14 year old's mind um but uh yes i, I very much liked her <laughs> and uh well weirdly enough francoise hardy as well the, the french uh French singer, I loved her voice and stuff, but uh, modern day celebrities, I don't even know who they are. Um, you get all these celebrity shows on, on television and I haven't got a clue. I, I kind of, I feel like I'm from another planet sometimes. I look at all these people and uh, I, I don't know how they how they got to, you know, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, whatever. You know, I, don't, I just don't know them. Uh, and, you know, I don't have crushes on 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 celebrities anyway. Celebrities are totally overrated uh, thing to be. <laughs> yes, don't worry, I'm totally in agreement, and I don't know. Who well, they are. I mean, I if that makes you feel any better, I've no clue. There's, there's only there's only one celebrity I know actually, um, who's also an author, uh, and she's more famous for uh, eating ostrich anus, uh, and is now, of course, our culture secretary, uh, Nadine Doris. Um, so I know, I know her. Uh, unfortunately, she's from my area. She was our local <laughs> she... MP. Yeah, she was Luton. <laughs> oh, tough luck. Luton. Yeah. Good so, lord. Yes, I've never met her, but I know of her. <laughs> yeah, I've never met her either. Italiaki. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's shameful. My. Well, yeah. you know, I think it kind of sums up with. Sums up with the country, isn't it? In a way that uh, she's the culture secretary. You know, it's kind of it's it's beyond through the looking glass now. It's gone very very strange, and it's getting darker. <laughs> I don't really like it personally, but there you go. No politics shouldn't uh, lay off politics. <laughs> yeah, bug what we could do about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, where's the funniest or strangest place you've ever woken up? <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. Let me have a think. Let me have a think about that. Strangest or funniest? Um, I think one of the strangest places was in the British Council representatives' bedroom in Khartoum in Sudan. That was fairly strange because um, I won't tell you how I got there. But uh, it was just rather strange. And, uh, of course, they have all the uh, mosquito netting and all the rest of it. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was quite weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my favourite answer so far, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll keep it short and detailed, I think. That, you know, leaves the, 
let's the imagination run right. Let's let the let the reader work on it a bit. It's my motto. <laughs> Do you have any weird or fun party tricks? <laughs> Not really. No, I'm quite quite boring in that regard. Um, I play guitar and I sing quite flat. Um, uh, and my fingers are kind of all thumbs, so I'm not the most uh, brilliant guitarist. Um, I'm quite a demon on the tin whistle. Um, and I used to do a bit of Morris dancing uh, a long time ago, um, but just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I could put all those three together and, and do, a, do a turn at a party. I guess that would be quite interesting. It's <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> um, so, what's coming next for you? What's coming next? Well, I've got this uh, this book, A Song of Winter, coming out, obviously, in October-ish, probably uh, once bloody Scotland and, and all that lot have all uh, cluttered off. Um, so I'll be doing that. I've got my Kidnapped, uh, which I'm working on the edits at the moment, just going through it and um it's given me a bit of a problem actually because I, I i was given i was given a nice big grant by creative scotland because i came up with this concept of um how about reimagining robert louis Stevenson's kidnapped in the modern day and kind of be inspired by it but not follow the plot in any shape or form uh, and you know i've got this idea of the the lead protagonist, um, you know, in that case, it was the the guy who got uh, kidnapped and bundled. He was on his way to a, the Americas, I think, to work on a, a sugarcane plantation or something. But uh, I said, you know, I've, I've got this idea of this 18-year-old Iraqi refugee girl who's been adopted and she's been kidnapped for sex trafficking. So I, I diverge a fair bit. Um, so I'm going through that. But as I say, I had a bit of a problem because... I wrote it, it's very much from her perspective, it's in the first person, which I haven't done before. Uh, and so I'm her voice through the entire book. And I had it down as very slightly divergent on the scale. So her writing is a little bit in the style of Robert Louis Stevenson. So it's a bit sort of overly flowery and uh, slightly antiquated and all the rest of it. And I kind of got to the end and I thought, oh, God, this hasn't really worked. This is it, it, it all comes a bit, um, oh, I don't know, pompous uh, or, or preposterous or other words beginning with P, which I don't use in a polite family forum like this. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm having to kind of rewrite it, keep, keep the sort of flavour of the fact that she's, she might interpret the world in a very, very slightly different way uh to a normal 18 year old girl to see but um uh but it still keeps the the same sort of twists and turns and rollicking mad plot that uh that robbie louis stevens has had so um yeah that that will be finished in a couple of weeks i guess uh and then it'll be the fun of uh, putting it out to agents and publishers and seeing if anyone wants to to take it I mean, I'm taking, uh, I'm putting myself on a, <laughs> I, could, I really ought to just draw a bullseye on my forehead for putting a book like that out, because there's so many people who would be wanting to shoot it down, um, or, you know, because it's a bit like, oh, I think I'll rewrite the Bible, you know, it's not very well written, um, it's got some good ideas in it, but some of it's absolutely rubbish, you know, I could do a much better job. And uh, I'm going to rewrite the Bible. And you'd get a bit of, you know, opprobrium for that, probably. So I'm getting the same sort of thing. I know I will get the same sort of thing for uh, rewriting Robert Louis Stevenson's Kidnap. But hey, you know, why not? And um, as I say, I'm also just starting on a new private detective, private eye thing um, set on the islands of Scotland, which is a bit, uh, bit constraining in a way, but I'm going to let him try travel around a bit as well um and uh I, I haven't really written very much but it starts with um he's got a, his uh, he's building his own house on a plot that his uh, his aunt left him um a plot on the west coast of mull um and this is all top secret so you're not allowed to tell anyone uh and he's just woken up in his caravan on the building site because something's been dropped into his mouth and uh his cat's sitting there on his chest purring away quite happily 
uh, you know, his cat brings in things from the garden every now and then, and, you know, dead mice and all the rest of it. And he tends to sleep on his back and his mouth hangs open. And uh, it's not unusual that he, he wakes up with some something fairly detestable in his mouth. Uh, and this turns out to be a, a finger. Uh, the cat's uh, brought in a finger uh, and dropped it in his mouth. Uh, it's quite a it's quite a dead finger, uh, and it's been dead for quite a while. So it's not very it's not very flavoursome. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that starts. So it's a bit weird, but um, oh, let's see how it goes. <laughs> As I say, I'm a pantser, so you know, I just launch myself into these things, and uh, uh, you know, I just get this idea in my head and think, oh, that's a good way to start a book, and. Uh, God knows where it's going to end up, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, let's look forward to reading that one. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, you may be relieved to know that I haven't got any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. I don't think so. I've shown my books in true publishing sort of style. Ta-da! Riveting Goodreads. Um, I could read a section for you, but you know, everyone does that. Um, I've kind of told you quite a lot about myself. Um, and I've told you what I'm doing. So now I think we've, we've covered most of the bases. and We've had a few uh, left to field questions slipped in as well, which you warned me you'd do. Um, so yeah, I'll cope with those. You, you did, admirably. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we just finish off by... Uh... Uh, you telling people where they can find you or more about you and your books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, very easy to find. I don't hide away. Um, Amazon, you'll find a lot of them. Uh, all good bookshops, as they say. Um, but remember, it's Andrew James, Greg. Uh, bit of a bit of a mouthful, but uh, if I'm just called myself Andrew Greg, then we'd have huge problems um, with a, uh, an existing Andrew Greg. Um and I have a website, which is a WordPress website. So I think it's, um, oh, I couldn't even tell you what it is. But if you, if you Google me, you'll, you'll find me easy enough. Uh, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and uh, all that sort of nonsense as well. So, yeah, do, do pop along and visit me in my virtual worlds. And uh, I'm more than happily interact. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much again. And uh, once more, thank you for having me. Something... Uh, I think we should all say to our mothers sometime in the uh, in our lives. Um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah.